Good morning. I'm glad you're here. And I'm, I'm glad to be here. I've been, <clears throat> my wife Cindy and I have been gone for the last couple of Sundays, dispersing our children throughout the country. Uh, my daughter Lindsay just graduated from high school and she's starting school at the University of Oklahoma. And so we went to, by way of a water park in New Braunfels, Texas, we went to Norman, Oklahoma. We went to Schlitterbahn Water Park, Slippery Road. That was a lot of fun. Um, that was our last hoorah as a family because we, we dropped Lindsay off in Norman. And from there, we came home and our son Thad, who just graduated from college, went down to Fort Worth to start working. He has a job. That's incredibly exciting for his parents. <laughs> and uh, he started, he's worked a week, and he seems to enjoy it. He's very motivated. So we're, we're glad to be back. Um, and it was a very good trip, had a good time, but this is home, so it's good to be home. Uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks, this week and next, to look at what church is all about. We're going to dig in and look at some passages that show us sort of some backdrop ideas about what should be happening in church or any group of Christians. And then we're going to also look at some concrete plans for the coming year, both tonight and what we're calling a business meeting, which is really more than that. It's I'm going to be talking about the vision for the coming year there. Uh, and then next week we're going to show some of the concrete plans for the coming year. Our church calendar starts tomorrow. So it's sort of like we're lining up on, you know, the starting blocks and getting ready for the year that's coming up. That's that starts tomorrow. We we tend to think September to August things crank up in September and then August things wind down and so that's the way we do our calendar. What I'd like to do is draw some connect the dot pictures for you. Those are the best pictures I've ever drawn. Uh, I, I can't, I get, I freehand forget it, you know. In fact, I've been in meetings and I've tried to draw some, some things on the board and been laughed at because of the way it came out. I'm just not an artist, but I can draw, get, connect the dots. So in this series, really what I want to do is connect the dot between the Bible and our plans for the coming year at CIV. In the Bible, real progress is spelled out. Real progress in church life is measured by a couple of things. There are some key indicators that you can pull out of Scripture. We're just going to look at two huge indicators. But, you know, when you're growing up, there are earmarks of growth, like taking your first steps, getting out of diapers. Your parents applaud that. You go to school, going to school and beginning to learn how to handle yourself in a social environment. Um, Learning to drive, driving responsibly, getting a job, handling it well. Uh, These things tell you that someone's maturing, they're growing up. And as you get into Scripture, it's the same in in our walk with the Lord. And as a church, we're to be aiming to help people really grow and mature. That's actually the first sign of real progress. Members who grow to maturity. Uh, Colossians 1, 28, <clears throat> it says, Him we proclaim, warning every man 
and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man mature in Christ. This is, this is where we're headed. This, this is the church's goal, is to present everyone mature in Christ. So when you get involved from the first time you step into maybe a worship service or a smaller meeting at Church in the Valley to the time you move on from Church in the Valley, our goal is to help you become more and more mature in Christ. This is actually one of the things that God is going to ask me about when I stand before him. I'm in charge of this operation. I'm the one that's given the responsibility for leading Church in the Valley. And so he's going to ask me what I did to help people grow toward maturity in Christ. Did the people who got involved grow to be more like Jesus Christ? That's, that's what I'm going to have to answer to. So my role is to lead for this. It's to lead to help people mature. And as, as we teach and as we lead and as we develop a church culture, the thing we're supposed to pay attention to is that we're growing in maturity. We're to teach every man in all wisdom. Wisdom actually turns out in Scripture to be a very important thing. Intellect, not so much, really. Intellect is a good thing, I guess. It's something, you know, we all have different amounts of it. I don't know where you land on the IQ scale or whatever, but you have a certain set of brain cells. I have a certain amount. You have a certain amount. You probably have more supercharged brain cells than I do. Um, but, you know, the, the interesting thing is what will determine your success in life, the kind of right progress that you make is the amount of wisdom that you have. They've done a study of people with high IQs. They have matched the average person on the, on the level of IQ in their, in their success in life. You know, they, in other words, IQ doesn't tell you a whole lot, but wisdom is the thing that really tells you whether or not a person is going to make the right kind of progress all across the board. And the way they deal with authority and the way they handle relationships, the way you handle your speech, your communication patterns, the way that you relate to people, the way that you make decisions, handle your finances, respond to trouble. Wisdom is the key. So that, that's what <clears throat> this passage is saying. We're, we're to warn every man and teach every man in all wisdom because we're trying to help people mature. It's better if, if you take the responsibility to drive and you have the wisdom to drive responsibly, isn't it? So that's, that's, wis- that's a matter of wisdom. The ability and, and the actual carrying it out are two different things. So anyway, that's the first indicator of real progress, maturity. Members who are growing more mature. The second one is that more and more people are joining us in following Christ. We, one of the things God wants to come out of church life is, He wants us to be growing more and more like him, which turns out to be a real blessing across the board in life. And as we become more and more like him, we don't want to just keep that to ourselves. We want to keep including people in that. Acts 2.47 says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is a description of what was happening in the very first churches. And that kept happening. People kept coming around. We were included. More and more people were included in what's going on. And since following Christ is so good and it, it's, it's so helpful, and actually 
it deals with our core problem in life. Our core problem is that we've been estranged from God. We've been separated by him, from him by our own rebellion, our own sin. We've been cut off from him. And Jesus came to pay the price so that we could be reconnected. Our, our relationship with God could be repaired. It was irreparable by ourselves. But he came to die on the cross so that it could be repaired. And that begins to, when you come into a relationship with Christ, your relationship with him, as you continue to walk with him and mature in him, it begins to work its way through every part of your life to really change you and make things better as you walk with him. So when you find a cure for something, you share it with people. And that's what we found. We found the cure for our lives in, in Jesus Christ. And so we want to share that. And so here at CIV, the centerpiece of what we're doing is helping others come to know Christ as well. Sort of like at a table, you have a centerpiece and you arrange things around it. That's what we do in church life. We arrange what we're doing around the centerpiece of helping others come to know Christ and walk with him. So these are the things that we pay attention to on staff and on the advisory team and the things that we work on in the leadership community. Now, let's take a look at how these two things happen in church life. First of all, we, we grow in maturity as there's, there's a list of three things under that. <clears throat> there's a passage we're going to look at, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. There's a list of three things. We grow in maturity as gifted leaders prepare us, as um, uh, we, we practice the truth, and as we do our part. So we're going to look at those things and pull them out of this passage here in a moment. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Interesting that the gifts that God gave to the church here are people. Apostles are people who start ministries. They start things. They're sent to start things up. Prophets, they have this ability to bring the truth to bear on a certain situation, like you're dealing with a problem. Maybe as a group, we're, in a, we're having a dilemma trying to decide something. A prophet has the ability to bring the truth, God's truth, to bear on that specific situation. An evangelist is someone, it's the word ou, which means good in Greek. It's a Greek word. This is originally written Greek. And angel, angel, which is messenger, good message. It's somebody who has the ability, they have a special ability to bring people along to share the message of Christ in a way that other people want to follow. And then there's pastors who are leaders, shepherds who lead in the direction that God wants us to go, and teachers. So these gifts are given to the church, and their responsibility, in verse 12 it says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So, the gifts God's given are leaders who are gifted and responsible to give us what we need, what the church needs, church members need to grow and minister. And we've been talking on staff about how our role on staff is to set the table so the members can really enjoy the ministry. So we, we want to handle all the details and handle all those things that we can so that uh, you guys can enjoy 
the ministry as much as possible. 13 says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. There it is again. That's, that's the measure of progress, maturity. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You measure physical growth with a tape measure. I don't know about you, but we put little marks on our wall at a certain point, show as our ch- children were growing, um, and we measured their growth that way. Spiritual growth is measured against the life of Christ, the character and the life of Jesus Christ. So it does, you don't gain a lot of wisdom. There, there's really, it's, it's foolish to compare yourself to other people. You know, like, wow, did you see what they did? I am so much better than that. It's just there's no wisdom in that. Because what we need to do, the wisdom comes as we get into Scripture, we understand who Jesus was and is, and we learn from him what, what's important to him, his values, his character, and we measure ourselves against that. That's why it's important to get into the Scripture. Because as we get in and we begin to understand who he is and what he does and what's important to him, we measure ourselves against that and we adjust. We make the adjustments. We begin to change and become more like him. So he's the measure, what we know of him personally through his spirit and through the word of God. It says in 14, then, as we're growing up, as we're becoming mature, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us and with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and each part does its own special work. As each part does its own special work, the whole body uh, fits. Hold on, I got lost. It helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Based on what we just read, we grow in maturity as gifted leaders prepare us. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, I just read it. Uh, our, our role as leaders is to prepare people for the works of service. And if we, if we do, and as you get around and you begin to soak up the truth, then the goal is maturity where there's a stability, there's a strength, a stability where you're not tossed around uh, like a person who's caught in a, in a wave in the ocean. You're not tossed around by all the teaching and the ideas that flow through society and culture, but you're stable and strong in the Lord. That's, 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 what, that's an outcome of maturity. You, know, you just don't get blown around by every thought that comes along. It's a real danger in our, in our society. We, we have a tremendous onslaught of ideas and information that can destabilize our faith. Um, we deal with more information in a day in our world, in this present day world, than people in the past had to me of at that water park. And it's, it's, there's uh, just a wall of water jetting at you to create a wave-like 
situation, and you're on this boogie board, and you've got to fight to stay on the wave. And most people who haven't done it very much, they don't last very long, because the wall, the wave just, it either tosses you straight back, or you end up kind of going off to the side, the way they created the thing. That's exactly, that's what I thought of when, when I read this passage, getting prepared for this morning. It's exactly what happens with the the ideas and the information that flows our way. It can just throw you around. And what tends to happen is we connect emotion with an experience to an idea, particularly as the the information comes through the, the media. We have mediated experiences. We read a book and we get into it and we have an experience that, that's being told about there. We watch a movie, we watch TV, uh, we go through things and ideas are flowing connected to emotions and experiences. And what happens when you have an emotion and an experience, whether it's mediated or not, and you, and an idea flows, sometimes you attach yourself to that idea. It burns into your mind or your heart. And you begin to collect these things. And, and a lot of times what we try to do is we try to live life based on these collected ideas that we've gathered from this flow of information that's coming our way. And it doesn't really work because the ideas don't fit. They don't fit together. And they don't really, they're not tested ideas. You can watch a movie and the idea seems to work in the movie. You go to real life, wow, that's not, <laughs> that's not working. It's not the way it's happening. So we tend to collect these ideas and try to live out of them. What this passage is saying is we need to develop a foundational knowledge of Jesus Christ, and we need to grow in our understanding of the truth according to the Scripture so that as this information is flowing us, we're not tossed straight back or skirt off to the side. So that we can handle this flow right, rightly and it, and so that we have a filter of the right kind of knowledge that allows us to deal with these things and stay strong in the faith. That's, that's part of my role here in church life is to give you what you need to handle that. Your part is to make yourself available to what we're doing, uh, to make your, make your, yourself strong, to allow yourself to grow and develop. So gifted leaders prepare us. Secondly, we grow as we practice the truth in an atmosphere of love. Verse 15, this, this is a literal translation of the passage, literal based on the Greek. Young's literal translation, it says, <clears throat> And being true in love, we may increase to him in all things who is the head into Christ. Most of the time this verse is translated speaking the truth in love. But this is the real idea of the Greek that it was originally written in, being true. The idea is that we soak up the truth so that it becomes a part of the way you live life, the way you live, the way you speak, the way you respond, the way you deal with the circumstances. The truth begins to eke out as you handle life. It it becomes a part of you. And so you basically live the truth. And you begin to adopt it into who you are. So this is very important 
way that we grow up into Christ is we soak in the truth. It's, it's also important to be real, to be honest, to, to let people see who you really are. That's a part of being true in love is just, hey, this is where I'm at. Not trying to be further ahead than you are, not being trying to be a step behind where you are, but, man, I'm, I'm working on this. I'm struggling on this. If you do that, then people can really help you because they know where you are. So practicing the truth in an atmosphere of love is an important aspect of growth. Then finally, we do our part to build up the body, and we grow, and then the people around us grow. Look at verse 16. Uh, the body, the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So when you come to Christ, it's important to get connected to a group of believers who will love you, take care of you, encourage your growth. And as you get connected, there's an assumption that you contribute, you do your part. As you grow to understand more what your unique contribution to the body is, then You contribute more, others grow, and you grow as well. That's the way it works. So you can see maturity doesn't just happen. It's it's a process, and from the moment you commit your life to Christ to the moment you die, that process is going on. You never never reach perfection. You're never going to be completely mature. But God is working in you to develop you to become more and more mature in Christ. We need to make the effort as God is working in us. That's what Philippians 2 says. It's not on the screen or in your outline, but it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So the idea in verse 12 is we have salvation. We're to let it work its way through every part of our life. And and we have to make the effort to do that. But as we're doing that, It talks about what God has already been doing in verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So God is working as we cooperate with him and make the effort to grow. So based on what we've been looking at, what we need to do is find leaders and put ourselves under them to learn. Find people that we want to imitate. Hebrews 13.7 is a good guide for that. We need to find leaders. We need to look at the outcome of their way of life and imitate them. Find people that we can learn from. Gifted people who will teach us. Help us to get strong and stable. Secondly, we need to soak in the truth. To be true ourselves, be real, be honest about where we are. And soak in the truth so that we're able to filter the ideas. That we're dealing with as we walk through life, because the ideas that you adopt and begin to live out in your life will determine to a great deal the quality of your life. We need to get connected and stay connected and do our part in the body. So those are the things that we can do to grow toward maturity. We have to keep pursuing growth. It doesn't just happen. Sometimes, you know, when you come to Christ, when you when you realize one thing for me on my way to commit my life to Christ, I remember realizing, I, I all of a sudden realized, I grew up in the church, but at a certain point I realized, I have blown it. I have sinned, and that 
that separates me from God. There's a certain point where that dawned on me, and it shook me. And then as I, I, I realized, but you know what? God has paid the price for my sin in Jesus Christ. And so I can't work my way that 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 damage that's been done in my relationship to God, I can't pay the price myself. I can't work my way back into God's favor, but he has made a way for me to know him. And as soon as I realize I can just put my faith in Christ, I don't have to work for it. Sigh of relief. That was, that was a great day. When I made that decision, it's not a cheap salvation, but it's free in the sense that I don't have to pay anything for it. I just have to accept what God has done for me and and decide to live his way. Well, we sometimes get the idea that that was I don't have to work for that. So I don't have to make any effort now. God should just work some kind of magic on me to change me. But the way it actually works is God is working in us. He's working through everything that's going on in our lives. And we need to choose to cooperate with him and make the effort ourselves to grow. So those are some ways that we, that we do that. Um, that. That's a major indicator of progress. And it's hard to, to measure, but that's something we try to do is grow as a church in maturity. We should also keep including more and more people in the church. And so let's look at how we grow in number. We grow in number as we invest in people and invite them to come follow Christ as well. So we we talk about this. We have events sometimes that we call invest and invite events. We have one coming up. But let's look at how Matthew invested. We invest in the people God has put around us. Matthew, who was also actually he was Levi, also known as Matthew, became known as Matthew, one of Jesus' original disciples. This is a description of when he decided to follow Christ. It says in Luke 5, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now, the amazing thing about this large banquet, this great banquet that he threw for Jesus at his house, was that Levi was a tax collector. His whole life had been focused on getting. Tax collectors were hated because they represented the oppressive Roman government. And the way they made their money is they took the tax that the Romans set on people and they added to it for their own profit. Most of the time, very exorbitant amounts would they add to this tax. So people hated tax collectors. But what happened when Levi decided to follow Christ is he left everything and followed. And he made a huge shift in his life from getting to giving. So he threw a great banquet, not a measly banquet, (laughs) not, you know, just throw some leftovers out on the table, a great banquet. He made a huge investment in this banquet and he did it so that he could honor the Lord Jesus Christ and get his friends around him as well. 
So that's what we're called to do. We're called to make the same kind of investment. We're, we're to, to pray for those around us. Sometimes we're the only ones praying for the people around us. We're to pray for them. We're to serve them. And we're to take the time to throw parties, to get them around our Christian friends and others who will help them come to know Christ as well. So just as Matthew or Levi made that investment, we're to make an investment in people as well. And then to grow another, another key is to invite others to meet Christ. And we see this in the life of Andrew. John 1, 35 through 42, says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. John was saying, this is, this is the Christ, this is the Messiah, this is the Savior. And so the two disciples who heard it said, oh, I'm going to follow him. John, this is the one John's been talking about. And so Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So like Andrew, God wants us to invite those around us to come to a place where they can meet Jesus, to bring them to that place where they can, make, uh, where they can meet Jesus and develop a relationship with him. And... We have all kinds of opportunities to do that. Worship at CIV is one of those places where this can happen. It's where many, many people have come and met Christ. And so uh, we have what we call invest and invite events, where you can be investing in your friends, serving, praying for them, and then bring them to the event as well so that they can hear about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. So here are some next steps on your connection card. And on your outline, the, the listening guide that you're, you have, and then on the connection card, there's some next steps. Let us know if you plan to take one of these steps. There are some ways that you can apply what we've talked about. Uh, the first one is I will attend the annual business meeting so that I can know the plans for this year. That's not a very exciting title for a meeting. Gee, I can't wait to go to the annual business meeting. We might change the name sometime, but... Right now, that's, that's what we can, it's kind of like the title of this message series, This Year. I mean, I, that's, that's what I came up with, this year, because that's what we're talking about. Um, but anyway, I will attend, I'm, I'm going to spend some time on vision and where we're heading as a church, and then we're going to look at the budget and, and how that relates to the vision and what we're planning to do. That's tonight from 6 to 8 here at the Dime Bar Center. You're welcome to come, whether you're a member or not. Uh, members will be voting on a couple of things, but you're welcome to come and hear uh, what, what's going on. If you'd like to do that, let us know. Um, secondly, I will take concrete steps to get prepared for ministry. Whether you've just committed your life to Christ or whether you've been walking with him for a while, uh, getting prepared is a lifelong process. And so taking steps to do that as you see opportunities as they come along, maybe you want to say, God, I'm, I'm going to take some steps to get prepared. And then finally, I will invite the following friends and family to the next message series, Survivor Family. That's coming up. It's an invest and invite event. And if you have some people you'd like to invite, 
then list them there. We'd like to pray with you uh, for them as you invite them. Let's go. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth in your word that really does set us free in so many ways. Thank you for the way that you're working in us to to grow us to maturity. I honor you, Lord, for just the change that you make and the freedom that you give and the help that you bring through through a group of believers who are serious about following you. I pray that you'd help us, God, to... Uh, as a congregation, to make real progress in growing to be more like you, growing toward maturity, and also in just helping others come to know you as well. Lord, we we ask for your help as we set our heart to take some steps to follow you and respond to this message. Give us the power and strength to do that, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.